Father God, we thank you for the gift of the church that we can gather here today on Palm Sunday and several times through Holy Week, Lord, remembering who Jesus is, remembering what he has done and what he has sacrificed for us, God. We thank you for today and for the word that you have for us. We pray these things in your name. I have a friend named Linda, and she's in Phoenix, where we moved here from in the end of November, and Linda is 83. I met Linda when she was in her early to mid-70s, and today she is just as energetic as she was when I met her then. She's one of those people who just kind of oozes Jesus. In Phoenix, a lot of people know her kind of as like Mother Linda. Um, she serves in a Pentecostal church in Phoenix, in South Phoenix, which is actually a part of Phoenix that um, was redlined. It's predominantly a black and brown neighborhood. And she served there faithfully at First Pentecostal Church for 30 years. She serves um, leading discipleship for them. She also works for a missionary organization called Harvest and does a lot of work just educating and supporting the community in South Phoenix. Linda is black, and she was born, if you've done the math, in 1939. So she experienced and lived through the Jim Crow era. Despite the hate and oppression that she experienced in her life, she is someone who is also deeply committed to racial justice and reconciliation, especially among God's people in the church. Early on in knowing Linda, I was able to hear her testimony. She faced many hardships in her life from poverty, death of loved ones, and loneliness. And at a time that she'd hit a rock bottom of sorts, she came to know Jesus. Linda was in her early 40s at this time. It's an interesting kind of aside that I think for many of us, maybe if we came to faith a little later in our lives, it can feel like, well, what can I do? How can I be a servant to the Lord and a follower of him? But Linda, now in her 80s, can talk so much about the ways in which she's formed and discipled and led people to Jesus. She remembers the exact date that she became a Christian and where she was living at that time. She became a Christian on February the 23rd, 1980, in St. Louis, Missouri. When I first heard her share this testimony, it was one of those moments when she shared that date in that city where it was like, God is telling me to pay attention. Because I happened to also know where I was on February 23rd, 1980. I was born that day in St. Louis. <laughs> Um, Linda spent a short amount of her life in St. Louis, but that piece of her story just, it struck me and was a part of what just made me realize, like, God wants you to learn from this woman. She has so much to teach you and to teach others. Linda's testimony and the ways in which she has lived out her faith will always stick with me, now even living, I don't know, a thousand miles away. She's somebody who reflects the love and life of Jesus and so many of the things that she's done. I've come to love this about Linda and that she's just such a consistent person in her faith. In the face of hardship, she is consistent and always pointing people toward, toward Jesus and toward the love of Jesus. None of us can quite predict what Linda will do in given situations, but we know that what she will do will be motivated by Christ and by his love. This means that oftentimes she kind of surprises us. And I think that the same is true of Jesus. We don't always know exactly what he'll do or say. We know, though, that he is consistent, that he is always pointing us toward love. And oftentimes, he does surprise us with the things that he does. 
In her focus on Jesus and his mission and what she is called to, Linda does not falter. She's consistent in the ways in which Jesus works, and she's always pointing us toward back, back toward him. This idea of consistency is something that I know I crave often in my life in different ways. I think I always have kind of been somebody who likes some predictability, some consistency. I think it's something that all of us perhaps desire at different points in time, or at least we might need it even if we don't like it. Even when things feel disorienting, whether it be in our personal lives, in our faith, in our relationships, in national news or international news, heading into Holy Week, there's a truth that we can hold on to, and it is that God is the same. Through the life of Jesus, we see this consistency lived out, repeatedly pointing us back toward God and back toward his love for us. And today we remember and celebrate Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem as Savior and King. As we heard in our gospel reading from Luke, after sending two unnamed disciples to get him a colt, Jesus rides it into the town of Jerusalem where a large crowd is gathered and they lay their cloaks across the road for him. In Matthew, Mark, and John, they also talked of people waving palm branches as we did today. And they shout, just as we did, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven as Jesus enters. Palm Sundays is full of tension, like Peter mentioned. It's also full of symbolism in this narrative. It was common for kings or important people to arrive by procession on a donkey or a colt, as Jesus did. And this donkey, it symbolizes peace, so that those who chose to ride them, it showed that they were making a peaceful entrance or had peaceful intentions, which we know is true of Jesus. The palm branches represented goodness and victory, and they were symbolic of a final victory, which says a lot knowing what this week of Holy Week is leading to for Jesus. The cloaks, they showed reverence to a beloved leader. Jesus is entering to Jerusalem. It's often referred to as the triumphal entry. You've probably seen that heading in your Bible as you've read these verses. But also, we know that it is his first step toward his death. If you're familiar with this part of the biblical story, then you know that many in the crowds who hailed Jesus as king will be crying out for his crucifixion on Friday, just as we read in the Passion narrative today. The cloaks that were laid out for him, welcoming him and celebrating him, they were also stripped from him and humiliated him. We should notice, though, that in each moment of the crowd, whether they are praising him on Palm Sunday or yelling for his crucifixion, Jesus' devotion to his mission, it remained the same. In the midst of the praise of the moment, he knew in his heart that it wouldn't be long before these same people would turn their backs on him and betray him. His heart broke with the reality of how much these people needed a savior. And the same is true for us today. Whether in acceptance or rejection, in comfort or persecution, Jesus is devoted to his mission and his love for us. The truths found in today's reading, they draw us closer to Christ, reminding us of the type of power that this king wields. The King Jesus that rode into Jerusalem that day, he was the first and the last of his kind. 
He was not an unjust king, only for the rich and the powerful, as the people gathered there that day were accustomed to. He entered into Jerusalem with humility, as the prince of peace. He was the king of kings, the lord of lords, a king who rules from among his people. He is the kind of king who chooses to love like a parent achingly loving their children and wanting the best for them, but knowing the mistakes that they will make. Jesus is the kind of king who, even knowing what is going to happen to him, he still entered into Jerusalem. He didn't flee. He continued on the course that he was called to. Christ knows the heartache that is to come, but he still chooses this heartache over control. Jesus did not manifest the type of power or come as the type of king that the people expected. And again, that same thing is true for us today. He is unlike any king or ruler or leader that we know. And he was not consistent in the way that they were used to kings being. As Christians, this is the Jesus that we are called to proclaim But oftentimes, the Jesus we see proclaimed, or perhaps proclaim ourselves, is one who fits our own self-interest, our own narrative needs and desires. But this week, as we head into Holy Week, what if we proclaim this Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who is consistent no matter how much we love and celebrate him or criticize and crucify him? I've preached in Luke twice over the last few months, and as I was thinking through Holy Week and today's reading, I was reminded of some of these themes that we find in Luke that are also so consistent with Jesus and who he is. Luke proves over and over again to us that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah and King. And we see this in today's reading, the people's excitement as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. But then again, we see at the end of the week the doubt that they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Luke emphasizes repeatedly that the new kingdom of God, which is at hand, is not like the kingdom of the world. Those whom the world and religious, religious establishment consider important, they may have no access to this kingdom of God. We saw this when we learned about the blessings and the woes in the Sermon on the Plain in Luke 6. Luke sets Jesus as a contrast to the political and religious leaders of his day. And Luke also continually shows us that not everyone will receive this promised king with the joy of the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth or with the joy that they received him on Palm Sunday. The Jesus we read about in the book of Luke, he is undeterred in carrying out his mission. While the ways in which he responds or acts at times may surprise us, they are true to who he is. When we can orient ourselves toward love, just as Jesus did, we come to know the heart of God. And we can be drawn into a deeper maturity as followers of Jesus. This kind of love, it requires faith and hope. It is not easy, and it asks us to surrender what we grip most tightly. Palm Sunday is an opportunity to look at the immediate future and anticipate what is coming. We know what is coming. We have the advantage of this compared to the people who were present that day. So each year as we celebrate Palm Sunday and head into Holy Week, 
we are able to recognize that maybe it is one of those moments of bright sadness. We talked about that back in Advent when we talked about Mary's Magnificat. It's one of those moments that are both, both joyful and sorrowful. Because as Jesus is hailed king, we know that by the end of the week, he will be crucified. When we celebrate the Lord's entrance into Jerusalem to the cries of his disciples who acclaim him as king, we also solemnly proclaim the gospel account of his passion. Our hearts likely experience in some small way what Jesus himself might have felt in his own heart that day as he rejoiced with his friends but also wept over Jerusalem. We are not that different from the people who gathered in Jerusalem welcoming Jesus and then turning their backs on him only days later. But hope can be found in this. Hope can be found in resting in the knowledge that even headed to his death, Jesus did not stray from his mission and his deep love for us. He did not stray from the fact that we need his salvation. And hope can be found in resting in this. I think often we miss just how countercultural Jesus was. And he still is. I think we miss this in the busyness of our lives. Sometimes for some of us who called ourselves Christians and followed Jesus for a long time, the novelty, the beauty, the sheer just awe of who Jesus is and what he has done for us has been lost. And so I think that as we head into Holy Week, it's a time to sort of renew our faith in a way, to rest in that reminder of just how surprising Jesus is, the sacrifice that he has made for us. Today, we are reminded that the reign of Christ, it is far greater than any of us could ever conceive of or plan. We look for a God or a leader who can fight our present day battles for us, but God had the ultimate plan of sending his son to fight the final battle for us. And this is the greatness of why we celebrate what we celebrate this week. Because of Christ's ultimate sacrifice, we can be set free of death. In this holy week, may God direct our thoughts and attentions towards what matters most. Jesus Christ, our King, his consistency, his deep, unimaginable love for us. Let's choose to focus on worshiping our Lord, thanking him for the gift of his sacrifice, celebrating the power of the resurrection and the new life that is found in him alone. Nothing robs the Lord of his peace. Even when headed to his death, he is not distracted from his identity and from his mission. And the twists and turns of the various state of affairs that we find ourselves in, we get to rest in that. Let us be consistent in the ways of Jesus. Let us too be people who surprise others. Let us be people who push back against cultural norms that are harmful. Let us be people who draw near to the marginalized, the least, the lost, and the lonely, just as Jesus did. As we close, I want to share with you all something that I just saw yesterday. It was kind of a last-minute edition, and it was from our bishop, Todd Hunter. Some of you may have met him. And it just related to this so well that it felt like a good word for us to close on as we remember the consistency of Jesus, the deep love of him especially as we head into Holy Week. He says, let's see. As 
we head into the last week of Lent, to let us discover or rediscover the love of God demonstrated in the biblical narrative. Creation is an act of God's love. Redemption is an act of God's love. Delivering the Israelites from slavery in Egypt is an act of God's love. Safeguarding the Israelites in the wilderness through their wanderings is an act of God's love. The guidance of the law is an act of God's love. The security in the covenant is an act of God's love. The safety and provision of the promised land is an act of God's love. The prophets given to guide the people of God back when they strayed from God's purposes are an act of God's love. Final fulfillment at the world is an act of God's love. And what we learned today, Jesus' willingness to proceed into Jerusalem, knowing what was coming, is an act of God's love. All of these things are acts of his love. Amen.